0: This is the sound of a hospital room. Do you hear that? This is what Robert V. Taylor heard during much of his teen years as he lay in a hospital bed, trapped in a metal body cast.
1: I was 16. My uh, spine had grown out of place. There was scoliosis. I woke up one night. I'd fallen out of bed. I was on the floor. I was crying. I was terrified. I didn't know if i damaged my back. And a nurse came and held my hand. I started to tell her about how lonely it was in the hospital.
0: One of Robert's few visitors, however, was the chaplain from his school. He came to talk with him a while and left him with a book called Not
1: N-A-U-G-H-T, Not For Your Comfort, by a man named Trevor Huddleston. It was the first book to be published that challenged apartheid.
0: Trevor Huddleston was an Anglican priest. He talked about how black South Africans were terrorized by roving gangs how the government did nothing to aid their health and safety concerns, and how the government staged the ethnic cleansing and segregation of a suburb in Johannesburg. The white race should be preserved. And as Robert read this, his world was rocked. Believe it or not, Robert had no idea that black South Africans were oppressed. He didn't even really know what racism was.
1: As a white person, the only people of color that I knew were those who worked in our home. Reading Huddleston's book was a complete eye-opener to me. It made me say, my gosh, this is not the country that I thought I'd grown up in. Uh, I, in fact, read the book three or four times during that hospitalization.
0: He identified with that sense of entrapment. Except, Robert was able to get out of his body cast. After many months, he was freed. But that didn't mean he was cured. His many surgeries and hospitalizations still left him limping.
1: I was losing sensation from my waist down and was stumbling when I stood up because I couldn't feel the ground. I was also losing sensation in my hands.
0: But at least he was back amongst other humans. He found a special comfort at the Thursday night Bible study group at the home of the Archbishop of Cape Town. He enjoyed the companionship of his peers and the worship. And so he went every week, even though to do so meant hiding a deep secret. Robert was gay, and the Archbishop did not like gay people.
1: He did witch hunts in the seminary of any student who was believed to be gay. And after one of the Thursday night gatherings, his chaplain came over to me and said, we'd like to pray with you. And so my first thought was, oh my gosh, they're going to try to exorcise me. And as we went into a side chapel, they had me kneel. And the next thing that I knew was that they had their hands pressing down on my head. And I remember this sense of of great weight on my head and my shoulders and a warm sensation through my body. And after they had finished, they put their hands under my arms and lifted me up. And the archbishop said, Robert, your body is being healed. And then he said, your body will not enclose you again.
0: Robert wasn't really sure if he believed in healing through prayer, but miraculously, he started to feel better.
1: The loss of feeling disappeared. I was able to quite literally stand tall.
0: His doctors x-rayed his spine and declared him completely healed. Something
1: had happened in that moment in which I had been prayed for. And so at one of those Thursday night gatherings, I told the story to the group. And afterwards, a couple by the name of George and Mary came up to me and they said, we'd really like you to come to our community and talk about what you've experienced. And it was one of those moments that I think we've all had where you say yes to someone and then you think, oh my gosh, what have I just agreed to?
0: Because, you see, George and Mary were black.
1: I was being invited to a black community. And I immediately thought, I have nothing to say except, you know, these very simple words. And and then I was filled with panic.
0: Because of Huddleston's book, Robert knew that this was a group of people who had every reason to hate him. Whites had murdered and shunned black South Africans. And he was supposed to go lecture to them about the petty hardships of his life?
1: There I was on the Sunday morning. I walked into the church and realized that I was the only white person. I was experiencing being a minority for the first time. And I remember as I headed up to the pulpit that I was worrying about whether the zit on my chin would be visible to people. And I spoke about my experience of healing and what it had done for me, and it was met with such a generous response of applause.
0: After his speech, members of the community invited him to stay the weekend with them. They said,
1: You know... We just want to get to know you as Robert, and we want you to know us as the individuals that we are. I never had a sense of being unaccepted, ever. Out of that emerged some friendships.
0: As Robert became closer to his new friends, he felt like he needed to do something to help the black community.
1: The message that I often heard was, you need to work within the white community to change it, and we need to do the work we need to do in the black community.
0: So Robert went straight home to do just that. He started with his own family over the dinner table. He told them about the atrocities of apartheid. He asked them what to do.
1: And I was greeted with comments like, you're treading on dangerous ground. You should be quiet or, you know, Robert, there's never smoke without fire. The government must know what it's doing.
0: Robert had thought that God had simply blessed him with the ability to stand tall. But he knew now that he was going to have to work for that ability.
1: Standing tall meant using and exercising my voice in working for the end of apartheid.
0: So when Robert went off to college, he had two goals in mind. The first was to study the Bible and become an ordained priest. And the second was to spread the word about racial injustice. He wanted to be like his hero, Desmond Tutu, who was a bishop and an activist. So he organized debates about race, and he hoped to change things in his college by running for student body president.
1: And became very involved in protests. Steve Biko, a prominent black South African leader, was murdered while in police custody, and I actually went to his funeral.
0: That's when Desmond Tutu began speaking to the mourners
1: and imploring this grieving, angry, mourning crowd to be partners in love and to remember that they are loved. And I was haunted by his words because I believed in in my heart of hearts that we're all profoundly loved for who we are. But I wasn't sure that I believed that for myself. And that was a terrifying moment.
0: Robert was afraid that being gay meant that he would never be loved. Robert was still in the closet and alone in his lie. But even if he couldn't be who he was, it made him feel better to fight for the rights of black South Africans to be accepted for who they were. But even that was threatened when he got a call from the Cardinal of Cape Town.
1: He called me to say, Robert, I'm calling on behalf of the Archbishop the same man who'd prayed for my healing, he is very disappointed in you that you're involved in politics. He wants you to withdraw from the election immediately if you wish to continue to be a candidate for ordination.
0: Robert had to choose between becoming an activist and becoming a priest, which wasn't a choice he felt he could make. He visited the archbishop and appealed to him. I challenged him on that,
1: and he was not happy with it. He said to me, Robert, all you need to do is to pray and everything will be okay. I said, Your Grace, but prayer isn't in isolation. It leads to something. And he looked at me and he said, Robert, you're sounding like that communist Esmond Tutu. And in that moment, I felt like there was a tearing of a veil in the room, here was this man who had played such a role in my healing. And there he was, uttering these incredibly harsh words about a man who was an iconic hero of mine. And I thought, how is it that these things can coexist?
0: It wasn't just the church that was disappointed in his actions, the government wasn't happy either.
1: I certainly came to the attention of the secret police. Well, it was it was terrifying. I was being followed. You didn't know who you could trust.
0: To make matters worse, the government required that all white male South Africans had to serve in the military.
1: I could not support the military in any way, shape, or form.
0: And the only alternative to serving in the military was life in prison. Robert was scared and desperate. At this point, he was working with colleagues of Desmond Tutu, and so he sent word that he wanted to meet with his hero in the last attempt to get his advice before he was imprisoned for life. To his surprise, Desmond Tutu actually invited him to his office.
1: He was very informal, and he said, Oh, I've had a long day, and do you mind if I just rest on the couch? And he said to me, So, Robert, tell me about you, not what you've done, but who you are. And it was this remarkable question.
0: What came out of Robert was the story of his spine. He talked about being alone in the hospital and said that Huddleston had kept him company and inspired him throughout that time.
1: And when I got to the point of telling that to Desmond Tutu, he burst out laughing. It took him a while to settle down, and I, of course, wondered what on earth I'd said. He said, Robert, when I was a teenager, I had tuberculosis, and I was hospitalized for long periods of time, just like you were, and I was lonely and afraid. Trevor Huddleston was my pastor, and he came to visit me in the hospital, and he read stories to me and inspired me to do what I do now. And I was blown away by that. On that sort of common ground, Tutu said to me with incredible wisdom, There will be a time in South Africa when young white men like you will need to go to jail. But this is not that time. I will get you out. I will help you buy the ticket for New York. Wait for my call. And literally nine days later, I was on a plane to New York.
0: In New York, Robert was safe, and he saw his dreams come true. He was allowed in the seminary once again and became a priest. Ten years later, apartheid ended in South Africa. The only thing was, he was still closeted. As a priest, he was worried that coming out would mean losing his job, friends, and congregation. Many advised him against it.
1: You're going to lose lots of members, and, and you might tear this place apart. And all I could think about was, boy, those voices are not much different from the voices of my family who said, you better be careful. And living with an institution that said, you know, gay people are less than, than fully human, that was really the moral equivalent of apartheid.
0: So Robert decided to stand tall again. He came out as gay. And instead of hatred and abandonment, he was met with overwhelming love.
1: Uh, a few people did leave, but, but many, many more came to join. And in 1999, I was elected to be the Dean of the Cathedral in Seattle, and and at that moment became the highest ranking openly gay clergy person at the time.
0: Robert had found the courage to stand for so many in his life, but when he finally stood for himself, he truly found that he was no longer alone.
1: I believe that we're each invited to stand tall and to break through our enclosures, because when we do that, we develop love toward ourselves and we develop compassion.
2: Snap Judgment wants to extend a great big thank you to Robert V. Taylor for sharing his story with Snap. We're going to have a link to his book, A New Way to Be Human, on our website, snapjudgment.org. That piece was produced by Stephanie Fu. Hey, Snappers, it's your boy Glenn. I'm going to ask you to do something we've never asked before. Support the artists that make this show happen. And we've made it easy Easy to give us 10 bucks. Just text 20222 On your cell phone Text him the word SNAP You'll get a message back from our partner PRX Asking if everything is cool Text back yes And that's it You've just supported SNAP Storytelling With a $10 donation That number 20222 Just text him the word SNAP It can't happen without you. And we appreciate it. I I appreciate it. Thank you.